I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. (laughs) You can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. back everybody to the important nonsense podcast 32 teams 32 days breaking down the entire the entirety of the nfl for your fantasy football season for 2021 i of course am mr neil smith joined as always by mr steve bonham hello as we sit here today it is the 31st of july the last day of july just in case any of the things we're going to say here sound dated that would be why if you are listening to this in the future go ahead and check out the update show uh, so as we will correct anything that may happen in between when we record this and the official kickoff of the 2021 season. Uh, as always, we're going to be referencing everything we reference is based on 12-team PPR, and we'll be referencing the Fantasy Pros ECR as well as our own collateral. Check out importantnonsense.com and importantnonsense.com slash Patreon. Help us keep the lights on around here, keeping this content, keeping this content up on the internet for you. But today, we're going to talk about another team that you know, just like the Bengals who went prior, man, normally this is a blow off show. We do, we do this, we do this in like 10 minutes and just cut it up and put yeah. in goofy sound effects. And, and that's normally what it is. And in this year, we actually have some meaningful analysis for the first time, just like Cincinnati for the first time in years, we right. actually have to break this down. So it's, uh, it's very interesting. So Cleveland does, has a very kind of, kind of meh off season. They've really just brought back the band, you know, they had, they had a successful 2020 campaign and they more or less just kept everybody together to try and bring that again, that team, boy, not to like go back to our 2020 analytics too much, but we nailed it as far as like, we yeah. knew exactly what that was going to be. And, and it, and it really was, it's a run heavy attack. It's the, it's the old Vikings philosophy from days gone by. We're going to run that ball down your throat. and They sure did. So to, so there's not a whole lot to cover as far as that. You're gonna we're gonna talk about a lot of familiar names here. So let's talk about let's talk about Baker Mayfield, right? Let's kick it off with quarterback. You know, Baker had a nice little season in 2020. Kind of kind of turned the corner a little bit. You know, a lot of a lot of concerns on him as far as like what is, was he not going to be with the Browns anymore? Were they going to have to start over again at quarterback? And you know, he wasn't amazing or anything in 2020, but he definitely got back to like serviceable. Like he's a starting quarterback in the NFL. So do you have any excitement around Baker Mayfield? Or are you kind of just, are you kind of just looking at like, yeah, if he can do that, then good enough. Right. Or where do you land on that whole conversation? No, it is what it is. I mean, I'm in line with the ECR and the ADP mid teens for Baker Mayfield, a good QB two, a good backup, but not a guy I'd want as my weekly starter. And it, you mentioned it, the reason for that is you mentioned the meh of the offseason, right? Well, they they did make some splash moves. They did make some uh, adjustments and additions to their roster, and they're all on defense. Yes. For <laughs> fantasy purposes, not really interesting. But for the actual NFL, like this is you can say this and it not be sarcastic and it'd be the first time you could say it since, what, like the 80s? But on paper, the Cleveland Browns, yes, that Cleveland Browns is probably the best team in the NFL as we sit here today. 
entering the preseason. It's not sarcasm, nor is it hyperbole. Yeah. It's insanity. So they have made some dramatic changes to that defense, which was already pretty good and coming into their own with Kevin Stefanski, uh, with Joe Woods as the defensive coordinator. So they are looking to build off of a great season that they had last year. They are the favorites in the AFC North. They are one of the favorites in the AFC to make it to the Super Bowl. Defensively, I think they are a top 10 unit for sure. I think they're probably a top five defense when it's all said and done. And even from a fantasy perspective, they're a defense that somebody I'm targeting outside of the top 10 in ADP that I can have for cheap that could finish really well. But because of that, because of their run game, because of their defense being so good and they're going to control the clock a lot, there's not really a need for Baker Mayfield to throw the ball a ton. So he's not going to really have the opportunities to put up a bunch of points. I think he'll be good. I think he'll be consistent enough to win them football games, but that doesn't matter to you, the fantasy player. There you go. So we talk a lot about the Konami code, uh, like quarterback, right? And I think early in his career, people were really hoping that Baker Mayfield would beat that because he is a relatively mobile guy. However, he is not really Mr. Run First. He is more in the mold of what we've talked about previously, the guy who will sprint out into space and then is continuing to look to throw. So you're not really going to get, you will get some rushing floor and you will get some rushing touchdowns. He does do that, but it's not enough to like push him up into the next level of quarterback. So I've got him at quarterback 17 as a backup quarterback and certainly as a bi-week fill-in, you will certainly have opportunity to do worse. But it is not something that I think the day the, my greater point is the days of can can Baker Mayfield be a top 10 quarterback in the NFL? No, we're done with that conversation. That that conversation is over. Baker Mayfield is just above game manager and he's not really a sexy option for fantasy, but he is stable enough in when all when things are all things equal. He should be stable enough to give you some level of fantasy production, but there's no reason to overpay for it. And it's kind of just met. So, you know, what we've been doing, Steve, is pivoting from quarterback at that point, because there is no other quarterback that matters. In the per- We're not right. going to talk yeah. about Case Keenum. We're not going to talk about Case Keenum. Uh, there's nothing else that matters. All that to say is Case Keenum, if he has to play, he, he probably won't murder you, but it's Case Keenum. So we'll talk about the thing that matters most, right? And I think some people would say, who will talk about Odell? No, we're going to talk about what actually matters for the Cleveland Browns. We're going to talk about Nick Chubb and, uh, and just get this conversation right out here on Front Street. It's what I think people are tuning in for. And what's interesting is there's not that much analysis on Nick Chubb himself. He's just outside the top 10 at running back for me. I would have to believe he's probably just outside the top 10 at running back for you, not to speak for you, but it's, it's, it's something like that. And, you know, it's, he would be higher if, if they still didn't have, you know, other options in Kareem Hunt out there who will have some level of value. They will both be on the field. They both, they both matter for fantasy purposes, but. He do, Kareem Hunt does just cut into Nick Chubb enough for me, and Nick Chubb just doesn't quite catch enough passes, you know, yeah. when both of them are playing to go up to that that next level of elite at running back. He's not. I mean, yeah, he does still catch passes, but just not yeah, enough. Not enough. Yeah. He yeah. does. I'm not saying he doesn't catch passes. Right. He does. Yeah. It's just. Yeah, I just wanted to clarify that for the listening <laughs> people. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely for the audience, but yeah, he it, will catch you. He'll do some stuff. Here's the trouble too, because you and I are in line right outside the top 10 with Nick Chubb, and that's in line with the ECR. Um, The ECR has Kareem Hunt at RB24, which is a little bit higher than me. I have him at 28, 
but that's also kind of in line with it, it's in the same tier basically that I have Kareem Hunt the the guys of oh no I waited too long to get a starting running back that's basically that tier yeah I've got him at 26 so right in there line you go yeah we're, we're yeah. all in line and together there the problem is in current ADP Nick Chubb is RB7 and Kareem Hunt is RB21 yeah. So both guys are being valued higher than we would be comfortable going after them. And I think the main issue is we've seen Nick Chubb be great and be productive when he's the guy and have all the work. And if he had all the work, he'd be a top five back. And I don't think there'd be a lot of discussion about it. We've seen that when Chubb was hurt last year, Kareem Hunt was a top 12 to 15 option on a weekly basis in PPR. Like he didn't blow you away. He wasn't so spectacular that he was a top 10 guy, but he was still usable and a decent RB1 or high end RB2 at the worst on a weekly basis when Chubb was out. If you are a Nick Chubb believer, you believe that you can take him at his ceiling and get him to be that top five guy. If you're a Kareem Hunt believer, you believe he can be that top 15 guy for you if something happened to Chubb. Plus, he still gives you value while you're waiting. So you're buying into the idea that they could get the whole workload at some point. And I think our projections and rankings are more in line of this is what's realistically going to happen and where I'm comfortable getting a share of this player. Yeah, and so... I want to caution people because a lot of people got caught in the, what I refer to as the Kareem Hunt trap of 2020, because a lot of people, when Nick Chubb got hurt, Kareem Hunt came out and was electric for about three weeks there. And people started overpaying for that. And then it really hurt them down the back half of the season when Nick Chubb was back and Kareem Hunt. I think people have a tendency to forget that. And they have a tendency to lock in on the the look at look at this like period of time where he was an elite player but it's like well we know what kareem hunt is if he was to have the whole job to himself yeah. he would be he would be fantastic so when that does happen it pushes his numbers up and i think people just look at that and they go oh look at look at what he did it's it's there's some nuance there when trying to break down this situation and they're both going to have value but yeah 21 i'm not 21 you're passing on guys like probably miles gaskin mm -hmm. Uh, like Chase Edmonds, J.K. Dobbins, like there, there's Daryl Henderson now. You know, you might be passing on a Travis Etienne. Yeah, like, right, right now in ADP, if you take Kareem Hunt at 21, you're passing on, like you said, Gaskin, Etienne, Javante Williams, Mike Davis, Chase Edmonds, uh, Raheem Mostert, Leonard Fournette, or Ronald Jones, whichever one you would want out of that backfield. Michael Carter, Damian Harris, David Johnson. Yeah, you're passing on a lot of quality names here. Guys that could actually have like, well, Tampa Bay ones get a little murky, but it, you got a lot of guys on that list. But you, even then, you're passing on guys that are starting running back that yeah. have solidified full workloads, or at least you know what their workload is going to be for the idea that Kareem Hunt may one day have a higher ceiling. And yeah, I think he does. Like if you, and if you want to give up at seven for Nick Chubb, I don't like it, but I'm not going to sit here and like shout at you about it. Like right. it's, it, that's, that's less egregious to me, although it's not something I would do. Yeah. It's, it's but the Kareem hunt at 21. is like, okay, we got to talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> Stop doing that. But let's, let's move on from running back and let's, we actually have to talk about wide receiver a little bit here. 
And once again, Odell Beckham coming back off injury. And, you know, a lot of people are excited about that. He's actually been, you know, putting up some interesting, interesting highlights at camp. So there's that. And let's, let's do the show inside the show again. Let's do the, the show meeting while we're having the show in the middle of the show. Sure. So first it's, of all, let's break through the room, right? So you have on the outside, Odell Beckham. You have Jarvis Landry in the slot. Those are your consistents. Those are locked in. You're good with that. They brought back Richard Higgins. They also have Donovan Peoples-Jones, who was the star when Odell Beckham went down with his injury last year. They're kind of fighting for that Z role, but no one cares. Uh, Then you've got Anthony Schwartz, who's fast, and that's basically it. And then you've got uh, Cotterell Hodge, who, again, doesn't really matter. You also have Derek Willies, who doesn't really matter. So really, you're just talking about the two guys. The rest of the wide receiver room is irrelevant. In our projections, we have Jarvis Landry out-targeting Odell Beckham, which I agree with. You would agree with that as well, correct? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Okay. So where do you have Jarvis Landry ranked in comparison to Odell Beckham? So I have Jarvis Landry because I'm always I'm always, you know, relatively high on mm-hmm. Jarvis Landry. I have Jarvis Landry right in that wide receiver like 35 territory. Ooh, okay. So I've got Jarvis Landry right right there kind of in the in the heart of flex. And this is one that I've been struggling with because I have Odell Beckham basically right in that same neighborhood. I've got them both kind of right right there in the same neighborhood. Cause this is one of the ones that I've been having a struggle with in terms of actual ranking. Cause I think I know where you're going here, mm-hmm. which is Odell Beckham will not out target Jarvis Landry, but we've right. seen what Jarvis Landry does at this point. He's over the middle type of thing. He's going to get yeah. a lot of targets cause that's the function of the offense. But he, at this stage in his career, Jarvis Landry is not really the same player who's going to be breaking a million tackles and mm-hmm. outrunning everybody down the field when he does this. So some of the upside is not quite what it used to be, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That's why Jarvis Landry winds up in that kind of 35 neighborhood, because you know what you're going to get. You're going to get a lot of targets and a lot of receptions, and he's going to fall down. And it's going to be fine at the end of the day, and he will get some touchdowns for you. But Odell is the one that is difficult to rank because he won't out-target him, but he's going to be the the down-the-field target when they are running. And what we've seen when Odell is actually healthy and motivated, which is the other issue with Odell, when he is healthy and motivated, he can do a lot of amazing things down the field, up to and still including breaking those tackles and making people miss and going for the touchdown. So he's your upside play. He's your one who, if you were asking me who's going to have, who's going to have the more like yak, it's obviously, uh, it's I think it's likely Odell, and it's, he's obviously depth of targets a lot further. So there's some upside that comes with Odell for big play potential that I think pushes yeah. him up the rankings a little bit. But I have them basically both in that 30s neighborhood because. On a weekly basis, I don't know. Is is Odell Beckham going to haul one off and he's going to score? Is he going to do it twice? Is Jarvis Landry actually going to get like maybe like a, a nice little bunny touchdown from like the four yard line, and that's what happens? Or do, do neither of them score? And does Nick Chubb and and Kareem Hunt both score? Yeah. It's really hard to unpack this. So those two guys, to me, are like both kind of flex territory. Like they're guys that I would be really happy to have on my team as a flex but I don't really want to have either one of them too much more than that. I'm not really interested in Odell as a wide receiver three on my team. Same thing with Jarvis Landry, but as far as good flex options, I'm about it. And it also speaks to just the lack of passing 
that happens in Cleveland as a whole, right? There's just not that much passing to go around. And we haven't talked about tight end to further complicate the red zone situation out that way. They have a lot of different ways that they go in the end zone, but it's usually running the ball. Sometimes they go to either one of those guys at wide receiver when they're healthy. And they also sometimes will throw it to the tight end out there, Austin Hooper and, uh, and what's left of David and Joku. So they'll, they'll, they're going to spread it around and they're going to do that. So it's hard for me to really get excited about any of the pass catchers in Cleveland beyond like a flex or like a, like a mid-level kind of TE option or, or, or something like that. So I don't know. So I'm going to, I, I said a lot of words there. So what I, (laughs) so what I'm going to do is I'm going to hush and I'm going to let you kind of continue making the point you were making. Oh, so the point I was basically going to, you have them right there in the mid thirties together, which does make sense. The ADP right now, well, that's general public because that's just name-based, I guess. Well, even still, maybe the ADP has been burned, I guess, general public. That would make sense. But right now, Odell Beckham is going at wide receiver 29, and Jarvis Landry is going at wide receiver 38. So that's how they are being drafted currently in leagues. In the ECR, they have it as Odell Beckham at 27, so the public is a little further out than the ECR and Landry at 40. So by you having them in the thirties, you've got them like right in the middle of where the general public kind of views it. And for me, I have them ranked roughly the same as the general public, but reversed. Oh, okay. Sure. You got Jarvis Landry up there at like 27. I have Jarvis Landry at 32 and Odell Beckham at 41. Okay. Because okay. you're hoping for Odell Beckham at his age with his injury history to be the down the field guy like you talked to, to be able to put up those big numbers and big plays like he has in the past. And that's just not worked since he's been in Cleveland. And I don't think that that's really a viable thing how they're they're using him. So for me, I'm going to be completely out on Odell this year. And that's quite all right with me. I think I'm going to be close. I'm close to you on Jarvis, so we'll kind of be competing like we always are for shares of Jarvis Landry compared to the general public. Well, yeah, because to be to put a fine point on it, I have Jarvis Landry at 33 and Odell Beckham at 35. Yeah. So I've got them right there on top of each other, and it's just because when I'm talking about evaluating flexes, just to get into my, for the listening audience, to get into my actual thought process on ranking flexes, I like consistency, and then I like to have ceiling, right? Yeah. And so if I'm evaluating those two guys, I would rather have Jarvis Landry because I want a consistent point total out of my flex. Because if he's my flex, I feel good about that. But in leagues where you start multiple flexes, which are pretty common nowadays, I want a, a mix of both. And Odell yeah. possesses the ceiling that Jarvis does not. You've so, got like, they're in, it's, I've got Landry in this tier too, my tier six that I kind of talked about before with mm-hmm. Higgins. Where you've got guys like T Higgins, Will Fuller, Chase Claypool, LaVisca Chenault, Rashad Bateman, Darnell Mooney, Jerry Judy. They've got huge ceilings. They could explode and have a top 20 season, but I also don't want to overpay for the idea that maybe it happens. And I have mixed in there guys like Landry, Cole Beasley, Curtis Samuel that are going to give you the consistent slot catches that are going to be reliable on a week-in, week-out basis. So I have a balance in that tier of these are the consistent guys on their team and they give you upside as well. 
yeah, that's a good way to that's a good way to look about tier six too, right? So it yeah. it it makes it it makes it makes a lot of sense, and so it just to, I'm gonna based on how I have it ranked, I will I will roster Jarvis Landry, and I will likely not roster Odell Beckham. So yeah. if you're listening to my advice and my rankings, I think you and I have basically the same philosophy, which is Jarvis Landry, whether he's your you know flex e kind of thing for you, he'd be a wide receiver three, but for me, he'd be like the top part of flex, like the legitimate top part of flex. Uh it'd be something like that. And then neither one of us is going to roster Odell Beckham in a general room drafting yeah. against the public. It's not going to happen. And that would be my actual advice is to stay away yeah, from Odell Beckham. Could. Yep. Yeah. And, and it that, depends that, too. Like if he's going to slide, then that's a different conversation. Well, that's, that's an, the point. Like, especially when we're in this territory, like if, if Odell Beckham, who, like I said, his current ADP right now is 29, just barely inside the top 30. And he's going at pick 73 overall, which in a 12 team league means he's going at like the beginning of the seventh round. So if I could get a share of Odell Beckham as my fifth wide receiver, why not? If he's right. going to be the wide receiver one on the team and he's a guy I don't have to count on every week. Absolutely. Cause you could potentially have, like I said, the one on that team. It's just, there are other guys in that area I'd rather have. Well, and it's the headache of Odell himself. It's the, yeah. it's the, uh, there's a price point at which I'm willing to deal with it, but then mm -hmm. I'm not willing to, um, there's also a price point, which is where he's going now in most rooms, apparently that I am not going to be willing to deal with the Odell headache because you're talking about counting on him. And when, when it's, it's injuries is one thing, right? Yeah. It's his age is another thing. But then the other thing is like, just a reminder, folks. Odell Beckham has a history of beefing with the Cleveland Browns organization and getting into and getting into arguments with the coaching staff. And so they've actually come out and had to say, like the actual head coach of the Browns has come out and said, I got to get Odell going early. Otherwise, we kind of lose him for the back yeah. half of the game. And I'm like, I don't want to hear about that. That's not that's not something I want to hear about something that I'm going to have to realistically count on. So well, if he's and, that's, my... and that's why we give all this advice too for redraft as well, because if we're talking best ball, it's a completely different conversation. Exactly. Best ball and underdog. I'd be happy to roster Odell Beckham Jr. That's yeah. fine because I don't have to try and yeah. time it. But for right redraft... now, right now, 57 overall for Odell on underdog, um, which would be around round five. And that's wide receiver 28. And I'm good with that. Yeah, because it's best ball. I don't yeah. have to deal with it. I can ride all the, the highs. when he has a six, it doesn't matter. Yep, don't care. So And that's another thing, too. Like, another area where we'll own a bunch of shares of Jarvis Landry is he's going number 92 overall wide receiver 47 on exactly. underdog. Exactly, and that's about right for underdog. Because give there's me the floor. There's, yeah. yeah there's, give there's, me the floor. I'm fine with it. Just give me the floor, and I'm fine with it at that point, but I'm not paying up for him because mm -hmm. in best ball, he's not going to put up too many 20s at this point, I yeah. don't think, in his career. So that's that. It's it's interesting. So then at that point we've referenced tight end, and I and again we just to, to close it off. Don't worry about anybody else in that receiver room unless yeah. somebody hurt. Rashard Higgins would be the first man through the door, given what he was able to do last year. But body of work is not great for for Higgins. Um, still, but we'll see. Maybe he can turn the corner. And they don't throw enough to support three wide receivers. So really, you just got to close it off by talking about. You know, we referenced it already, but tight end, I don't think anybody's super interested in Austin Hooper. He's in that nope. kind of 20s of tight end. And then David Njoku is also there. Not interested in that either, unless something, unless an injury was to happen. They kind of just eat into each other because they'll both play a certain amount. The defense has got, is one is in that tier you referenced of 
defenses that are outside the top 10 currently that could finish as the number one overall defense. So yeah, ADP, they're going 11th defense off the board. And like I said, that's always what I'm looking for. I'm always looking for who's currently outside of the top 10 that I think has a real shot to catapult to number one and Cleveland with the talent they've got and the pieces they've added absolutely have a chance to be that team. So yeah, absolutely. And then, and then so then there's not, and it's Cody Parkey. So yeah. not super interested in that, even though the Browns do kick a lot of field goals. So that really wraps it up, folks. It's a, it's, it's really, it's really all tied up in those four guys. It's the two running backs and the two wide receivers. That's kind of what you need to know. And then everything else is kind of an ancillary piece that, that maybe, maybe could matter, but realistically your point setters or your point centers on the Browns are those four guys. So we'll be joining you in your world tomorrow to talk about somewhere that historically this is always an interesting show but how about them cowboys we're gonna break it down for you so we'll catch up with you tomorrow music for this podcast is provided by lee rosevere I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!